Leviticus 27, these are God's words. Now Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When a man consecrates by a vow certain persons to Yahweh according to your valuation, if your valuation is of a male from 20 years old up to 60 years old, then your valuation shall be 50 shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary. If it is a female, then your valuation shall be 30 shekels. And if from five years old up to 20 years old, then your valuation for a male shall be 20 shekels and for a female 10 shekels. And if from a month old up to five years old, then your valuation for a male shall be five shekels of silver and for a female your valuation shall be three shekels of silver. And if from 60 years old and above, if it is a male, then your valuation shall be 15 shekels and for a female 10 shekels. But if he is too poor to pay your valuation, then he shall present himself before the priest, and the priest shall set a value for him. According to the ability of him who vowed, the priest shall value him. If it is an animal that men may bring as an offering to Yahweh, all that anyone gives to Yahweh shall be holy. He shall not substitute it or exchange it, good for bad or bad for good. And if he at all exchanges animal for animal, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. If it is an unclean animal, which they do not offer as a sacrifice to Yahweh, then he shall present the animal before the priest, and the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad, as you the priest value it, so it shall be. But if he wants it all to redeem it, then he must add one-fifth to your valuation. And when a man dedicates his house to be holy to Yahweh, then the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad, as the priest values it, so it shall stand, if he who dedicated it, wants to redeem his house, then he must add one-fifth of the money of your valuation to it, and it shall be his. If a man dedicates to Yahweh part of a field of his possession, then your valuation shall be according to the seed for it. A a homer of barley seed shall be valued at fifty shekels of silver. If he dedicates his field from the year of Jubilee, according to your valuation it shall stand. But if he dedicates his field after the Jubilee, Then the priest shall reckon to him the money due according to the years that remain till the year of the jubilee, and it shall be deducted from your valuation. And if he who dedicates the field ever wishes to redeem it, then he must add one-fifth of the money of your valuation to it, and it shall belong to him. But if he does not want to redeem the field, or if he has sold the field to another man, it shall not be redeemed any more. But the field, when it is released in the Jubilee, shall be holy to Yahweh as a devoted field. It shall be the possession of the priest. And if a man dedicates to Yahweh a field which he has bought, which is not the field of his possession, then the priest shall reckon to him the worth of your valuation up to the year of Jubilee, and he shall give your valuation on that day as a holy offering to Yahweh. In the year of Jubilee, the field shall return to him from whom it was bought, to the one who owned the land as a possession. And all your valuations shall be according to the shekel of the sanctuary, twenty garaz to the shekel. But the firstborn of the animals, which should be Yahweh's firstborn, no man shall dedicate, whether it is an ox or a sheep, it is Yahweh's. And if it is an unclean animal, then he shall redeem it according to your valuation and shall add one-fifth to it, Or if it is not redeemed, then it shall be sold according to your valuation. Nevertheless, no devoted offering that a man may devote to Yahweh 
of all that he has, both man and beast, or the field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted offering is most holy to Yahweh. No person under the ban who may become doomed to destruction among men shall be redeemed, but he shall surely be put to death. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is Yahweh's. It is holy to Yahweh. If a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to Yahweh. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. And if he exchanges it at all, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which Yahweh commanded Moses for the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. Amen. Thus ends this reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Well, the book of Leviticus uh, could have ended uh, quite well at the end of chapter 26. That chapter in particular uh, being a reminder that the Lord has redeemed his people to walk in fellowship with him uh, and to enjoy his, uh, his favor and framing the whole of, uh, of God's people's life, of the life of the church of God in terms of either walking with him uh, in fellowship and then enjoying the blessedness uh, of his fellowship to them or walking against him uh, and therefore suffering not just the, the curses of uh, the pains that would come with that, but knowing those curses to be suffering the misery of knowing that the Lord was walking against them. Uh, and so Leviticus as a whole has set before us uh, the God who redeems for himself a people that he might dwell in their midst, that he might display his glory, and that even unto the glorious God they might be able to draw near by the way that he provides. And of course, that way is the Lord Jesus. And then this interesting chapter in which he talks to them or gives them instruction about a man making an extraordinary vow. Uh, the Lord indicating now, implying to his people that there will be times when his providence is of such a nature that not only the ordinary free will offering about which he's already instructed them in this chapter, but something over and above. They will wish by God's spirit working graciously in their hearts, desire to give even more to God. Uh, and they do this, or they may do this, the Israelites uh, were permitted uh, to do this then by working a wonder. Uh, the word translated consecrates in verse 2 uh, is, as you uh, can imagine in the way that we have just said it, a, a verb that is ordinarily used of God. We do not work wonders. We are finite creatures. We do not uh, perform marvels. Uh, and yet there is in the response of the heart to God who has worked wonders for us, who has performed marvels for us and none greater than being able to have fellowship with the living God, to delight in him and have him shine 
the, the favor, uh, his favor upon us and share his fellowship with us. Uh, there will be times when the Israelites wish to devote themselves unto him. Uh, and indeed, uh, this is how all of life was supposed to be. Uh, when Adam and his wife were first created and their first day was a Sabbath day, uh, just after they received all of these commandments about what they are to do in the creation, uh, the Lord put all of that on hold and gave them an entire day of acting upon the creator so that they would, uh, they would then go into the next week, uh, their first full week, uh, coming out of a Sabbath, having the favor of God upon them and the fellowship of God with them to be that which shaped all of their labor uh, in the creation. Uh, we often miss when uh, we remember that the, uh, the Sabbath has been changed from the seventh day in the week uh, from the fall uh, until, uh, until Christ to the beginning of creation, uh, until Christ to the first day of the week ever since the resurrection. We often miss that for Adam and his wife, for our first parents, it was the first day. Uh, of their first week. Uh, and so there is a shaping of the whole life according to the enjoying the favor of God and the enjoying the fellowship of God that is really the theme of, uh, or one of the great themes of the book of Leviticus as a whole. And you are New Testament believers. God has given it to you to be the theme of your life, that at the beginning of every week, you ascend into heaven in Jesus, in union with him, bringing Jesus in your hand as your tribute and enjoying Jesus as the one in whom you have fellowship with the living God. And, and it's God's design. And, and all, in many things, we fail much and we don't live according to the design as we ought. But bless God, he grows us as he matures us in Christ to every single week, taking that Lord's Day experience uh, and using that to shape the mind and the heart with which we go on to live the Monday through the Saturday. Uh, and so there's a, a sense in which what the Lord is inviting his people into here uh, in Leviticus 27 is actually what we are all the more enabled to enjoy now that the, the Son has come and redeemed us and, and risen and ascended and sits enthroned, uh, and we have our weeks uh, shaped this way, according to this rhythm, bringing the favor and the fellowship of God in his worship into the rest of our week, so that the apostle even tells us, doesn't he? Uh, By the mercies of God, therefore, I urge you, brethren, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Uh, and that is uh, the first great theme that we will uh, consider briefly this afternoon, sacrificial generosity. Uh, sacrificial generosity. And uh, then next we will see the necessity of honesty uh, in our dealings with God. Uh, and third, uh, we will see the theme of redemption. Uh, God permitting his people to uh, to pay a, a, a overvalue, to overpay uh, in order to redeem, uh, because we who are under the ban and irredeemable uh, would be paid for not by a 20% greater, by an, but by an infinitely greater payment. 
uh, to redeem us, even the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, and so we, uh, we come uh, into these themes, seeing that God is the one who supplies to us uh, generously all things, and especially that most necessary thing in order to give to him well. In order to give to God well, children, the most necessary thing is not the money or the object that you would give to him or even the service that we're going to hear about in a moment. The most necessary thing in order to be able to give God well is the cheerful, thankful, giving heart. Uh, and the Lord uh, does teach us, doesn't he? Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, we've been... Uh, alluding to and speaking around uh, from that passage. And so there are things that that God already required of them. You're, we just read in verse 26, you remember, the firstborn of any animal, if it's a clean animal, it has to be offered. If it's a, uh, an unclean animal that can't be sacrificed, uh, then they would have to redeem it by adding that, uh, that one-fifth. And also the tithes of the land, uh, you remember, they already belonged to Yahweh, so you couldn't offer one of them uh, as one of these extraordinary uh, uh, extraordinary gifts, these consecrated by vow things. But God teaches his people to have a sacrificial generosity uh, towards him. And uh, you too are to offer your body as living sacrifice unto God in, in everything you do, but there may be times uh, when the Lord uh, blesses you with the knowledge of his favor and fellowship in a unique way, comes and, uh, and presses that, uh, that joy uh, upon your heart and you wish to respond to him. Uh, and although we no longer have priests uh, who can help administer for you a vow that you pay to the Lord, this desire uh, to share uh, that which is not demanded by the law, but uh, which the Spirit moves you cheerfully, generously to give. We do have, don't we, deacons. Uh, and it is part of the deacon's responsibility to then receive that uh, and administer the giving of that, which his people uh, desire to give. Uh, and one of the things then that the people may desire to give is their service. You know, perhaps you don't have uh, a great amount of wealth, but perhaps... You are a man between 20 and 60 years old, and you can devote yourself, give yourself uh, for the service of the sanctuary, be, as it were, an indentured servant to the priests. Uh, and, uh, and the value uh, of committing yourself to that, putting yourself into uh, that service would be those 50 shekels, uh, and uh, you could be redeemed by paying 20% extra, so uh, the, the 60 shekels. Uh, but there are these different valuations. Now, don't read verses 3 through 7 with 20th or 21st century American eyes uh, and you know, almost 200 years of feminism and say, oh, why did they value the women less? Uh, one of the things that uh, that this chapter emphasizes is the precision of the value in verse 25. Your valuations shall be according to the shekel of the sanctuary, 20 geras to the shekel. 
Uh, and this amount of silver, uh, all of the amounts of silver here, uh, were many times, uh, in most cases more than 10 times, what a, uh, a uh, indentured servant uh, could receive or the debt that could be uh, paid by, uh, by giving yourself into, selling yourself into uh, the, this sort of indentured service uh, in the ancient Near East. In uh, the, uh, the regions at the time that this was written. So if you're reading this in the context in which it is given, you're not saying, oh, I can't believe the females are worth less or, or why are the elderly uh, uh, a little bit uh, less than uh, the, the middle-aged and the youth less and the children even less. No, what you see is you read all these valuations is, I can't believe God values these people so highly. And so you see a, you are to see a people who understand themselves already to belong to God, understand God as setting a very high value on themselves, but wanting from the heart to respond by giving him your whole life. And that works for you too. If you understand your whole life as offering yourself as a living sacrifice, uh, whether that's something you're doing in the workplace or maybe uh, a lady, a wife, a mother in the home or, or a child who is doing whatever mom and dad uh, give you to give day by day and offering that as a living sacrifice unto the Lord and you've got this dignity as someone who's created in the image of God and redeemed in union with Christ. Uh, and so, uh, so you do all the other things according to that dignity and receiving and enjoying that valuing uh, that God has placed upon you, not now, you know, 50 shekels or 30 or 20 or five or three, or I think we missed a 10 and a 15 in there, uh, but having purchased you by Christ himself uh, and wishing then to take that which the Lord has placed under your prerogative and, uh, and giving, uh, giving time uh, to the service uh, of the church over above your tithe, over above uh, whatever else uh, you feel is, is right, the Spirit has convicted you of in giving ab above the 10%, uh, but you might come uh, sometime to the diaconate and say, uh, the Lord has been so good to me uh, and I have made a vow to God that I will give whatever amount of time. Would you find a way um, to employ me in that service but there's a sacrificial generosity here uh, this would keep them from entering too easily into their vows if they knew the cost you know whether it's devoting themselves or devoting an animal of course a clean animal you couldn't redeem later because it would be offered but uh, an unclean animal they might keep for labor or they might sell uh, uh, and uh, if they still had it and you wanted to redeem it, you'd have to add your 20%. Uh, but if you knew the costliness uh, as, you, as you enter into this vow, it makes you take it seriously. Uh, just as uh, a couple of weeks ago in uh, Matthew 5, 31 and 32, we, we remembered or, or we learned from Jesus' teaching that divorce is not an option for a Christian. Uh, that... Uh, that you get married committed to staying married 
for the rest of your earthly lives. And this should uh, make us on the front end enter into that oath. It's really an oath, not a, not a vow. We, we use the words uh, overlappingly a little bit. Uh, but you enter into to that oath seriously because of its permanence. And once you're in it, you don't think uh, of going back on it. Uh, and so there's this, uh, there's this seriousness of commitment because of uh, how high the valuation was. And you see that word uh, throughout here, uh, the valuation. And yet by doing this, the Lord is not excluding the poor, is he? He sets these very high prices, and then what does he do in verse 8? He comes and he says, but if someone is too poor, if that's out of his reach, if that's not uh, reasonable for him, uh, then the priest uh, can assess the situation uh, and give him a value to attach to his vow. Uh, And that's not for the poor man to feel that he is worth less, but it is for the poor man to be able to. Uh, to pay the redemption price. So that's the first great theme we see here, the the sacrificial generosity. Uh, And uh, considering what we've learned in Leviticus as a whole, uh, and even in the uh, the New Testament, especially in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, being uh, in part letters by which Paul was encouraging uh, the Corinthians, the, these Achaeans, to at least match the Macedonians and outdo one another in generosity. Uh, the, uh, uh, the Lord reminds them, of course, that God is the one who has given the indescribable gift. A Christian can hardly think, can we, of sacrificial generosity without thinking of how God the Son became a man. Uh, the Father giving the Son, the Son offering himself uh, for the Father and for those who are the Fathers and whom the Father has given to them, and the Spirit committing uh, himself to the sustaining of the Son uh, in his humanity and the applying of the redemption uh, of the Son. Uh, Truly God, having all of creation at his disposal, has yet given us that which is infinitely greater than all of it, himself and the Lord Jesus. Isn't this the logic that the gospel teaches you? God didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for me, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, together with him, freely give us all things? And so we ought to reciprocate giving our whole self and uh, and all that we are uh, unto God. So that's the first theme in this chapter, sacrificial generosity. There's also a theme here, of the necessity of dealing honestly with God as we make vows to him. Uh, In verse 10 and verse 33, uh, two different occasions, but in each occasion there's a temptation. You vowed one particular animal, uh, but uh, for whatever reason you decide on another animal. Well, uh, supposing you are uh, caught in this or the Lord uh, afflicts your conscience or whatever it is. He says, you can't swap them out. If you swap them out, you forfeit both of them. Uh, and so there is that necessity uh, of having honest dealing with God. And uh, and then later in verses 19 through 21, uh, and uh, it works both ways in the language there, uh, where a man has devoted a field to Yahweh 
um, uh, and he's, uh, he's given it then, and it, it's really committed uh, for the priests. Uh, and then uh, he goes back and he also sells the already devoted field, uh, and he gets a certain amount until the year of Jubilee. Uh, well, uh, this, is, this dishonest dealing with the Lord is such a severe offense that God says, well, you can sell it and he'll have it till the year of Jubilee. But when the year of Jubilee comes, it's not coming back to your family. It is going to belong to the priests forever. Uh, and to us, that does not sound nearly as significant and weighty as it would to them who, uh, who had their land as a perpetual uh, gift from God, assigned to them, appointed to their family from God, uh, inalienably, could not be taken away throughout generations. Uh, and uh, you remember, of course, when Ahab wanted Naboth's uh, land uh, on a permanent basis for the royal vineyard, uh, or the royal garden, rather, Naboth said, God forbid, and he actually meant God forbids. Well, there must be honesty in our dealings with God, and this is something that is not limited, is it, uh, to... Uh, Leviticus, it's not limited to the administration under Moses. Do you remember when uh, the the brand new church, the young church, uh, rather, is uh, is growing and multiplying and there are poor among them, but uh, there aren't actually poor among them because those who had, remember, were selling uh, what they had and laying it at the apostles' feet. We're at the end of Acts 4 and beginning of Acts 5 now. There aren't deacons yet, but the deacons would be the, uh, the continuation of that. Uh, and the Lord was blessing his people with this, this giving to God that wasn't compulsory. And yet what happened with Ananias and Sapphira, you remember, it wasn't that they didn't give enough. The land was theirs to do what they pleased with it, Peter said. And it, it wasn't that they, uh, they had to give it all once they sold it. Once they sold it, they could do what they wanted with the money. They could give as much or as little. But it was because they had lied to the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord teaches us to have dealings with him. That even as you commit yourself to whatever it is, and God be praised, you may commit yourself to righteousness. You should always be doing that. You hear about a sin that the Lord is correcting and addressing in the preaching or in the reading or in the singing or in the praying. And you lift up your heart and you say, Lord, I will not commit that sin again. Uh, and you hear about some righteousness that is required of you. You say, Lord, I commit to you that I will do that. Or perhaps just as you are worshiping him, he, he brings to heart, brings to mind some service that you can do. It's, it's not a required righteousness. It's not a forbidden sin, uh, but it is something that in the worship of God, you desire to devote uh, yourself to him in that way. Take that seriously. Tell the truth to the living God. And when you make a promise to him, see that you keep it. Uh, perhaps, uh, and we've mentioned this before by way of application, perhaps you would just wish to keep a record, keep a written, written record so that you can visit it, so that you can make sure. But don't enter into such promises to God lightly. Uh, don't accumulate them, uh, them upon yourself 
uh, as that which you are going to end up finding a burden. Uh, but give cheerfully and commit seriously. Deal honestly with God. Uh, this is beyond. Uh, we all know, don't we, uh, that uh, we are not to worship merely superficially in an outward and kind of uh, on-the-surface display that you're making to others. Uh, but the Lord desires not only that you worship sincerely and with all your heart, but that you engage God himself by faith as you worship him. And so honesty in dealings with God is one of the great uh, themes in this chapter. Uh, and that leads us into, uh, into the third theme, the theme here of redemption. We've already mentioned uh, the extra uh, 20%, uh, whether uh, you know, if you're redeeming something that has been consecrated uh, unto God, but there are these other things that are not, our translation doesn't use the land of dedicated, but uses the land of devoted. Uh, that, of course, is what happens uh, to the field in verse 21 that we had been talking about that uh, that a man had attempted the, uh, the double uh, getting uh, sale out of it while also trying to get spiritual credit for uh, for dedicating it. No, it becomes devoted. It means uh, completely uh, set apart to God in a way that cannot be redeemed. And uh, so you also have that which is uh, devoted uh, in this way, this, uh, uh, this other Hebrew word that's used, uh, the devoted offering in verse 28. Uh, and that's not just merely dedicated. It's something... Uh, that may not be sold or redeemed. And it's also the language that God uses in several places for when, uh, when he prescribes the death penalty for a crime or for a sin, that that person's life is forfeited, that it is required uh, in several of these cases to put uh, the offender to death in order to honor God as a nation, to honor God as a church and they were not, in those cases, permitted to be able to redeem, to pay money. Uh, the, that person would have to be executed for that crime. Uh, and yet there is, throughout the, the passage then, this theme of not just the high price redemption, but the high price plus 20% redemption, and even those who are devoted unto destruction. And bless God, this is what he has done for us, isn't it? He has redeemed us for himself at the high price of his son. And his son then is glorified, not merely as a creature who can pay a high price, but he is glorified as God himself. God the son, even in his human nature, he's still a divine person. And he redeems those who had been devoted to destruction who are under the wrath and curse of God, who die not merely the death of separation of body and soul, but the death of being separated from the fellowship of God and that gracious communion with God. You shorter catechism kids, the Lord has given you, hasn't he? The, uh, the last week uh, and this week, that estate into which we uh, fell in our first father, Adam, uh, that we have lost communion with God 
are under his wrath and curse uh, and made liable to all of the miseries of this life and the pain of death. Uh, the pain of death is not being dying itself, but dying under curse, dying out of communion with God. Uh, and um, the, the pains of hell uh, forever. And it is from this that was impossible uh, that Jesus as the one who has right to us gave himself to redeem us. Uh, and so this chapter points us forward to Christ uh, and it teaches us in response to Christ who for the joy that was set before him of redeeming us uh, for himself and in himself to his Father, uh, redeeming us unto God, uh, he endured the cross and we are to be on the lookout for occasions for our hearts to overflow with a thankfulness to God that moves our hands in an extraordinary vow to him. Live your whole life, dear Christian, as a living sacrifice unto him, but uh, look for and expect occasions when the Lord will overwhelm you with thankfulness uh, and stir up an overflowing of love unto him uh, in which you may respond uh, by a commitment or a vow uh, in those times. God helping us, we will then be little pictures of our Christ who has saved us, even and making us into little Christians. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this book of Leviticus that uh, you have mercifully taken us through. Uh, we thank you for uh, impressing upon us that our whole life is an enjoying of the shining of your face, the shining of your favor, and the sharing of your fellowship. Uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, you who had already given your people this way of life long before your son entered into the world in the fullness of time, that you would give to us to live this way. Lord, we see that uh, hardly did Israel ever enjoy this the way they should have. And we confess to you that the same sinfulness, the same remaining sin, even after faith, uh, is something that, that afflicts us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would uh, grant unto us to have genuine um, dealing with you from the heart in all of our life. Thank you for redeeming us by Christ. Keep doing, we pray, the work of conforming us to his image, that as those who have been called according to your purpose and those whom you have brought to love you, you would make us those justified who finally you at last glorify. And so make us to be more and more like him, uh, even and especially now in this matter of devoting ourselves to you in love and thankfulness. For we ask it in his name. Amen.